Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. We're keeping the 80s theme going with Clive Farrington. Uh, Clive was the lead singer of the band When in Rome, who had that seminal hit from 1988 called The Promise. Clive co-wrote that song. It reached number 11 here in the States back in 1988, and it was kind of reborn when it appeared in Napoleon Dynamite. I think that was 2003. Anyway, um, it's one of those generational songs. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Um, the band only ever put out one album and uh, quickly broke up, and there is a ton of bad blood among uh, two of the members specifically, one of which is Clive. And he talks pretty openly and honestly about that. It's a shame. Clive really uh, embodies in this interview what the meaning of the hustle is, which is that he is out there working his tail off to secure uh, his legacy, both artistically and financially. And that's what a lot of these people have to do. They have to fight, they have to hustle, to be paid, to be taken seriously, to get what they feel they deserve. It, it's not easy, but he's doing his best at it. He called me from his home in LA. What's These words just come out. I think that's the key word, it's the hustle thing, because if I sat back in Manchester and just sat back on the laurels and said, yeah, okay, we just had a, a hit in 1987 uh, with, a, with a song that we wrote, um, I, think, I think we wouldn't be doing anything right now. I think it's, you have to do it for yourself. Um, yeah. And, and, that, and, and that's the same with my, uh, the, the, you know, you could draw an analogy with my daughter's career, because my daughter is a singer as well. She's decided to take a oh. singer. And, and and I I've not pushed her into that um, that career. She she wants to do it for herself, um, uh, and, and doing it, she's doing all the work herself. You know, she 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 won't accept my help. Let's put it that way. And, that, and sure. that's very much the same with the you, you know with uh, wedding Rome and the promise. You know, if it, if we sat back and thought, you know, which is what we kind of did. We you know it, when we had the hit in 1987 and it went as, as you said it went to number eleven. It went to number one on the dance chart mm-hmm. in the same year. Um, in in nineteen ninety nine, you know, you know, we had that success in the um, late eighties, early nineties. Uh, we went on tour to Brazil in nineteen ninety two, and that was pretty much about it. The the, the song had fizzled out at that point. Uh, wow! Uh, and, and little did we know that it was going to be such a, an enduring classic. Um, and, and of course, I have my daughter. My daughter's born in nineteen ninety nine, and I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm not earning a lot of money from the business anymore. Sure. Um, so I have to, I have to get a proper job. I get a proper job at a hotel, doing pretty much what I my hobby is, and that's uh, technical setups in in um, you know for concerts and events and everything else. Really? Uh, so yeah. You work, so I was, you have a proper job working in a hotel. Absolutely, and and that I'd stayed at that job till 2010. Um, of course, in 2003, I was contacted by our ex, ex keyboard player who, who then lived in Dallas. Yeah. Um, to say that they, they wanted to use the promise in uh, a, a film called Napoleon Dynamite. And of course, we were really excited. We uh, we went through the deal, and that was the last I heard of the keyboard player, unfortunately. Uh, then the film came out, and it was the success of that is. I'm still at the hotel in 2010. People are asking me while I'm at the hotel saying, wait a minute, you've got a hit record in yeah. America. It's been used in a hit movie. The movie is a success. Yeah. Uh, and why are you working at a hotel still? And it turns out that my ex-keyboard player had um, trademarked the name and formed another band with um, with new members and stuff. So, you, you know, if you, you, when you talk about sensitive 
I'm, I'm not. I, I'm no more sensitive to that anymore. I want to be very, very open and honest about okay. what happened with with Good. Ren in Rome, and, and I, I think uh, it's about time that I did start, start speaking about what went on. Um, you know, I was still very friendly with the keyboard, our ex keyboard player in 2003. Andrew and I let him go in 1991. Yeah, we, okay. we went on tour. We went on tour to Brazil without him, with a new keyboard player in 1992. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, the success fizzled out a little bit. The song was, uh, well, it was still being played, but it was no longer the success. The, the, you know, the initial impact of the success was no longer there. Um, yeah. uh, and, and then, of course, in 2003, uh, he contacts me from Dallas, and he's all excited, saying, you know, they want to use the song in the, in the, the movie. Do we all agree? Of course we all agree. Right. Uh, the, the, the movie comes out. And then I never hear from him again. And then I start to see YouTube videos of him with a new band, with a fellow that looks pretty much like me singing. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no way! And it, yeah, it was. Uh, and, and so, and Annie trademarked the name, so it made it very, very difficult for us to come back again. In, yeah. But but in 2011, I I was then headhunted from the hotel. You know, of course, people uh-huh. are asking me why I'm still at the hotel when I've got hit and the songs in the hit movie, and I'm. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, then a guy called John Stretford headhunted me from the hotel, and I went to work at a place called Castle Rock Studios, which is a brand new yeah. studio is in, in Old Edge, Cheshire. Which is uh, it, it was being built. I, I was kind of the technical install and, and uh, studio manager. I was responsible for putting all the equipment in there, choosing all oh. the equipment and everything else. So we built that studio throughout 2010. On the day that it opened and started to run as a proper concern. I left to come out to America. We were asked to come on the Lost 80s tour in, in America in 2011. Uh-huh. Uh, and, of course, it caused a bit of a storm because everywhere we were playing, our ex-keyboard player was contacting him and saying, I own the trademark. These guys, yeah. even though they are the original writers and lead singers, right. um, uh, they can't use the name, blah, blah, blah. So it caused a lot of problems, but we still did some shows in 2011. I did some shows on my own through 2012 because Andrew got married in 2012. That, that was another story as well, because in 2012, when Andrew got married, Steve Norman from Band Out Ballet played guitar, and we sang The Promise live at the wedding. Really? Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so that was kind of a bit of a highlight for my career, yeah, because Steve, sure. he's a great friend of mine, and also a very, very great musician, and, and uh, it was a pleasure to have him uh, um, perform with us. And of course, yeah. I went back, in, back in the day, during the lean times of the when, when the, the uh, in, initial impact of the When in Rome success, I worked with a lot of artists. I worked with John McGeough from Public Image Limited, Susie and the Banshees. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. And, and that, that was on a project called Pacific. And um, John Keeble from Spandau Ballet was the drummer on that project. So, wow. um, and and uh, I worked with Paul Young from Sad Cafe, Mike and the Mechanic. Sure. Worked with Mel and Kim. Um, really? So you've been busy. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, were, absolutely. I was, yeah, you, know, there, I mean, you were still getting your fingers in things, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the argument is from our ex-keyboard player. He's uh, always moaning and stuff on 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 social media, saying, "What was what was I doing for twenty years?" Well, you know, yeah. I'd I'd, aban- I'd abandoned when in Rome. I'd never abandoned when in Rome. When in Rome was always in my heart, and always, sure. uh, of course, we'd we'd had the hit record with where with, 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 I'm not going to say forget about when in Rome. Uh, but we had some lean, lean times, you know. We were no longer yeah. having the success as as, uh, as we did initially. Um, so I, I I did many many projects. I did a, a project with George Borowski, who is Guitar George from the Dire Straits track, Songs oh, um, yeah. of Swing. Uh, we're with him. Um, 
but by far the best uh, um, experience has been working with Alex Sintek, which has been a recent thing. Um, I was contacted by Alex Sintek, who's a big artist in Mexico, to work with him on a, on a track, which I, 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 um, I, I finished with him in L.A. And we, during playback, he says, you're playing Mexico City in uh, two weeks' time. Would, would you do me the honor of, joining me on st- of allowing me to join you on stage to sing The Promise with you? Uh, and I said, oh, absolutely, because we'd stepped in for Human League was supposed to be doing this regeneration tour in Mexico City. Sure. 20,000 people. And when in Rome stepped in because they couldn't do it, and I was thinking, how does when in Rome uh, make an impact in Mexico City when we were expecting the Human League? Yeah. So Alex Dintek comes to my rescue and says, can I sing the promise with you? So I go on stage and 20,000 people. I said, we've got a real surprise for you. We're going to do a couple of songs first, and then I've got a real surprise for you at the end. So I introduce Alex on stage, and of course the, the place erupts, and everybody's wow. singing the promise. And... and uh, and then I go on to, uh, to uh, on the track I've written with him. I've got Steve Bartek on guitar from Oingo yeah. Boingo. Oingo Boingo, got, sure. Yeah, Sam Phipps on sax from Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Uh, and I've got Dion Estes from Wham, George Michael, Marvin Gaye on yeah. bass on, on my track. So, uh, And I've written the main theme to El Americano with Alex Sintek, the new 3D movie that comes out. Um, should be the beginning of this next month. Wow. So, wow, so, so you've been busy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. for people, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the, the people that are in the ex-keyboard players campus have been saying, well, you've been, you retired from music. You know, Mike had every right to actually um, trademark the name uh, because you'd retired from music. But no way in this world did I retire from music. Yeah, my, no. my, my job at the hotel was still in music. I still had a studio back at home. I was working at Castle Rock Studios and was, if you look at the, have a look, actually look on the website for the Castle Rock Studios. It's a, it is a beautiful, beautiful studio in the heart of Cheshire. Uh, and, and so I was, I've, I've never, ever been out of the music industry. I've never lost my uh, drive for when in Rome. And, and when you talk about hustling, you know, the reason why I, I actually now live in South, uh, uh, Southern California. And mm-hmm. uh, the reason why I'm here and the reason why I can live here is because of the success of The Promise and because I've decided to um, to, to, to be where the, the, the most impact is caused. You know, sure, for, for, sure. My, for my career, the best place to be is in, in America. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. You can't well, stop me talking now. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. We're going to – normally <laughs> I, uh, I had said we were going to kick it off later, but let's just – Let's just keep going with this. This is yeah, good yeah. stuff. So yeah. I want to give you, when I kick off these interviews, typically I give a little background about how I first discovered the band. And, um, yeah. of course, I discovered you when everyone else did. I was well aware of that song. I loved that song. But something yeah. I thought was more interesting was, um, you probably don't know this. So the makers of Napoleon Dynamite, yeah. um, I don't know them, but I know I have friends who know them. I'm originally yeah. from Salt Lake City, Utah, and those guys oh, wow. you may or may not know um, yeah. are from Southern Idaho, and we're all kind yeah. of uh, we all went to BYU, Brigham Young University. We're all wow. we're all raised Mormon, and wow. when in Rome uh, is a is a staple of Mormon culture from when I grew up. Anytime wow. there was a dance at the church or anything like that, you could count on when in Rome the promise. And wow. Alphaville's uh, Forever Young. Forever Young. Let's dance in sky, let's dance for a while. Heaven can wait, we're only what 
watching the skies Hoping for the best but expecting the worst Are you gonna drop the bomb or not? Let us die young or let us live forever We don't have the power but we never say never Sitting in a sandpit, life is a short trip The music's for the sad man Can you imagine when this race is won? Turn our golden faces into the sun Praising our leaders, we're getting in tune The music's played by the, the madman like the soundtrack of my formative years, you know? Yeah, wow, wow. And so it was so funny when I first saw Napoleon Dynamite because as soon as that song came on, and if you remember, Forever Young is also in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as soon as I heard uh, The Promise, I'm like, oh, these are are the guys, these are my people. These are the people I grew up with. So it was not a surprise whatsoever to hear that in there. You probably don't know that The Promise was a big part of the culture I grew up in there for a while. Well, uh, well, get this one out, because I played in 2013, I played um, the Castro Theatre in San Francisco, and it was a playback for the Blu-ray movie. In, in, in June, I think it must have been in June, it was around June of uh, 2000. It must have been 2014, because it was a 10-year anniversary. It was last year. Okay. And, and it was a 10-year anniversary, and they released a Blu-ray version of the film. Yeah. And John Hedder the main actor, of course, was was uh, was at the Castro Theatre to give us uh, a question and answer session after they played the movie. So they invited right. me down. So instead of playing the song at the end of the, the, the movie, I jumped on stage and sang it live. Of course, That's the incredible. audience went completely mad. Exactly. <laughs> and, I'm, exactly. and of course, I'm, I, I'm there with John Hedder and I get to meet John Hedder. And then sure. to top that, later on last year, we went to LACMA in, in, in LA, the BAFTA, the home of the BAFTAs, uh-huh. Uh, and the, the whole of the the whole of the film crew were there, including Jared Hess, the director, uh, and everybody else. And we sat through the movie. And John Heder and Jared Hess um, gave a commentary as the as the movie was playing and said how how this scene was created, how things uh-huh. were done, blah blah blah. And and uh, my manager and I were sat in the audience. And then at the end of the movie, we all went to see them. So I met the the guy that plays the smart ass from the college. Um, his name's Trevor Snar, you know, yeah, the blonde yeah. guy that plays uh-huh. the, the real smart boy from the college. Sure. Um, yeah. uh, Grandma was there, the, the, uh, the, the kung fu fellow was there, and, and Jared Hess, the director, and, and, and um, my favorite character, Pedro, was there. And uh, yeah. really lovely, lovely people. So I get yeah. the chance to say, I get all, the, all stuff signed from my daughter and everything else from all the cast and crew. And uh, then I get the chance to say to Jared why he chose The Promise. Uh, for the for the movie, he says, if I'd not chosen the promise, my wife would have divorced me. He said he had to use that. He had to use that because his wife forever played the album. Um, Absolutely. When, when they were growing, before the film was released, of course. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so that's the reason why he chose it. And and yeah. uh, and, and in such a critical part of the movie as well, because sure, it's in that closing sure. credit where he where he gets the girl at the end, you know. So. Yeah. Um, 
we were we were very very lucky, and I'm very very lucky to have actually met the people that were involved in putting all that stuff together. Totally. And said hello and said to and 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 be able to say thank you to them and and uh, yeah, it's such an honor. I've been very very lucky. So going back to the business side of things, I mean, you were mentioning. We'll just keep referring to him as your former keyboard player. Contacted yeah. you to get your yeah. approval for them to use the song in the movie, and you said yes. 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 But then. You've never seen any money from that. Oh yes, we do see. But yeah, there oh, was you no, do. There was oh, no, good. Oh okay. no, no, there was no, there was no um, foul play on that part. I, I think it, the, the foul play came into part into point where um, because of the success of the movie, nobody knew how successful it was going to be. Um, yeah. My ex keyboard player was able to tour on the strength of it to do, to do live shows sure. on the strength okay. of it Got with it. a new band. You know, or everything was done legitimately as far as paying royalties, as far okay, as playback. Right. You know, so in other words, whenever the film is played anywhere in the world, we do receive royalties okay, from it. Good. Uh, there, there was no, there was no foul play on that. The only foul play was the fact that our ex keyboard player, having not been, uh, in, having uh, being no longer a member of the band, formed the band again because of the success of the movie. And, yeah, and of okay. course, we're back in the UK and thinking, wait a minute, why are we not being asked? Now, there is a case in point here where VH1 actually asked us to do the Where Are They Now, 80s Where Are They Now, which would have mm-hmm. meant all of the band coming together, sitting in the studio, flown out to America and everything else. But unfortunately, our ex-keyboard player refused that opportunity. Oh, what? And of course, of course, the goodwill that could have been created from that yeah. would have been massive. Uh, unfortunately, is, are you talking about those bands reunited shows? Yes. Well, the VH1 were doing no, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, absolutely. VH1 were doing a, a specific '80s one, and when in Rome, yeah. were, were, okay. uh, were when in Rome, Rome were actually asked to do it, but it would have only taken one of us to say no. And unfortunately, because of course, um, oh, somebody had told some, uh, you know, according to all reports, that people were told that we'd retired. Um, we couldn't sing. We were divas. We were very difficult to deal with. Um, we chose to mime on our first tours. Um, you know, we were really very, very. We were put in a, a very, very bad light by by our ex member, and yeah. uh, it, it kind of caused a lot of bad will. And and yeah. I've only just recently started being very honest about this on on radio interviews. I've tried to avoid it as much as possible, but you know, because of all the the stuff that's gone on and, and, and the absurdity of it. I've, I've now sure. decided to be very, very honest about it. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, things like that VH1, it's quite a thing. You know, I'm, I'm still not earning fortunes from uh, the record. You know, I, can, I, I, I can't say that I can retire and put my feet up today. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still have to work. I still have to make, make sure that I'm actually active uh, to actually pay, pay the rent, as it were. Right, um, right. So, so not, we've not even got a silver or a tin record for the for the promise, which has sold well over a million a million copies. So, no, the, the record company has not to come forward with any kind of a, uh, a, a an acknowledgement of the sales of the record. So it's, really? Um, no, no, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. It's uh, it's it's, it's all in the. I, I guess it's because we were signed to a record label called Ten, which was owned by Virgin, and then Virgin America, uh, and none of those. Labels are, are running anymore. I think they're under the wing of Universal Music, uh, wow. and of course, the, there's no longer the people that were working that, in that era 
working for Universal. So, you know, I guess, yeah. thinking, you know, why should we bother? You know, what? I guess it's that kind of uh, situation. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, The Promise no. is an enduring song that, I mean, it's generational. Every every new generation kind of discovers it and becomes sentimental yeah. to them as well. Well, absolutely, uh, but you know, but I, I would like something from a daughter, you know, to give to my daughter rather than I'm not asking for anything for myself. But if I have to give my daughter a little acknowledgement that said, "This record has sold over a, a, a million copies," whether it's a plastic right. record, whether it's a tin record, whether it's a little plaque, whether it's a piece of paper or whatever, we've never ever received anything like that. That's insane. That's yeah, insane. Yeah. And this is not some yeah. forgotten hit that no one knows. This is uh, <laughs> and exactly. I mean, you're probably well aware of this. It was. Featured on Sturgill Simpson's album yep, last year. absolutely, which was I mean, nominated like, for Grammy. You, friend, don't look too strange. You know him. I'll always be there But when you're in doubt And when you're in danger Take a look all around And I'll be I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of the right words to say. I know they don't sound the way you plan them to be. But if you wait around, I'll make you fall for me. I promise, I promise you I will. Your days through so Yeah, he's like the biggest name in sort of avant-garde country right now. Yeah, and he absolutely. does a cover of your song. In fact, I think I yeah. saw him perform it on, on a talk show, Conan O'Brien or something like that. And it was on I mean, Seth Meyers. Yeah, so it's it's still out there. And, and yeah, still absolutely. you're not getting the recognition you deserve. Well, I, mean, I, write, I, going out I wrote... I new group. <laughs> I read... A couple of weeks back that he did, he played a show. It might have even been in Denver or sort of somewhere around there. And uh, he said the highlight. They said that the highlight of the show, what what really shows his vocal talent, was when he sings the promise. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, well, of course, that's a massive honour. Uh, but I, I just wish the record company would um, yeah. Would, yeah. would actually acknowledge it and and, and acknowledge the fact that they've they've uh, you, you know they've earned some money from it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, we do got to get some. Re- I mean, especially when the, the the record is active and and like Sturgill's around town at the moment, he's doing his whirlwind tour of America. Uh, we we get what's known as performing license for that sort of stuff, but it's not still not a massive yeah. amount. You know, still I still, still can't reti- I don't want to retire. I want to keep working, sure. but I, I enjoy working. I like uh, I like performing live. I didn't used to work right back back in the day. I used to be very very shy, and that was the reason why I. Um, huh. I don't know whether you see it in the video, but in the video, Andrew sings the lead vocal, but it's my voice. It, I, but that was my choice. Yeah. I, I, oh, really? I, 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 yeah, if you look at the video, it, 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 yeah, I, I mean, I shouldn't really admit this, but I mean... I've it, wondered it kind that of adds for up. years. 
Well, it, it's, a, it's a bit of intrigue as well. I, I said, right, when we, when we recorded the song, uh-huh. um, I said, right, I, I said, I don't want to be a pop star. I'm a very reluctant pop star. I love being in the studio. You're the guy, Andrew. That, 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 we, we brought Andrew in as, as lyric writer and as the face and the front man of the band. And Andrew was responsible for getting the two record deals that we had. Uh, he was very, very integral to the to the, to the workings of When in Rome, uh, and he was the face of When in Rome and everything else. And I was happy with that, so we decided that on the video that he would sing my vocal at the beginning. Really? Mine to my vocal at the, at the I've beginning. I've always wondered what the what the deal with that was. I can, yeah, I'm so, thinking this is that's two people are singing this song. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> that was confusing. No, I, 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 it's on all of the songs I sang the lead vocal because when we went out live, you see, we went out. Of, of course, everybody's going, wait a minute. Um, on the video, it looks like the other guy's singing, but when mm-hmm. you're playing live, it sounds like the record, but you're singing it. And yeah. It's, it, and it was pretty. pretty I, I, I mentioned this to somebody the other day. It's pretty much that Tears for Fears thing where, you know, Kurt, Kurt right. Smith sang their big hit. I think it was that. Um, Whatever the first big hit. That, Everybody that wants hit. to rule the world. Yeah, well, and, and the one, but in fact, Roland sings that one, I think, well, doesn't he? So, no, uh, I, Kirk sings Everybody Wants to Rule the World. That was kind of their breakthrough in America. But if you're uh, talking uh, about, uh, I can only tell, I mean, they're one of my all-time favorite bands. And yeah, yeah. because that's the first song I hear from them, I assume yeah. Kurt is the front man, only and to find exactly, out that and, Roland you know, does pretty much everything else and yeah. would do everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty, that was pretty much the same with When in Rome, and it kind of confused people, which is a good thing, you know, I think, you know, to cause a little bit of confusion, it was all done on purpose. Andrew's very, very comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, you know, he, 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 we, we both agreed, we all agreed that, that that's the way it should be, and, and it, it yeah. stayed that way. And, uh, and, uh, but, you know, I, I, I like to explain that because people are, are um, you know, are confused by that, that, that yeah. You know, that, the, the, lock, the, the, the guy with the the guy with the locks is singing the lead vocal, like, which, is, which was done on purpose. You know, it was done that right. absolutely on purpose. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. just to wrap up, then, kind of the business side of all this, because I want to get into your career too. But on the business side, so you, I mean, you work. What, what is it you do exactly again for the hotel? I, I don't. I no longer work for the hotel. I. I, but you I don't. Um, okay. No, no, I left the hotel in 2011. In fact, I'd gone to the, to the studio in 2010 and then got came it, out okay. to America in 2011. So and now I'm a, pro- I'm a professional musician now. But, but okay. well, my, my job at the uh, hotel, the, the equivalent, I work for a company called PSAV, which is a, an American company. Uh, and my, my uh, job title there was uh, event technology manager, which is called uh, okay. director of event technology in the U.S. Got it, yep. Yep. I used to look after all the event technology, everything yep. to do with microphones, PA systems, lighting sure. systems, theming yeah. of rooms. I've um, been to a million everything. corporate events and hotels. And <laughs> you're the so guy behind a, the scenes. Yeah, I was the guy behind. I did putting yeah. all that stuff together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I loved okay. it. I enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed that job. It was fantastic. A great company to work for. Great hotel to work for. I'll huh. give them a mention. They're called Radisson Blue now, but they were called Radisson S S A S when I worked with them. Um, okay. But great company to work for, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Wow! And it was uh, it was a great thing to do in the interim years before um, you know while we were waiting for the uh, uh, being lucky again and having um, Napoleon Dynamite use yeah use the yeah tune. So between not, between the breakup of One in Rome in 1990 and you going to what what happens 
is there a moment when you realize when in Rome is over and you've got to now sort of go back to regular life? What's that? What's the post when in Rome years? What are those like? Well, you know, between 1980, so I think in 1992 was the last tour, as I mentioned earlier on, the, the, the last tour that we did uh, was Brazil. Uh, Andrew, myself, and Matt Rowe, who, who went on to produce the spot and everybody else, he was the keyboard player on that tour. Um, and then from then on, I, I, I'd met John McKeock at the Power Plant Studios where we recorded The Promise. Now, this is great, this story, because the, the album recorded prior to our album, the Wedding Rona album at the Power Plant, was Diamond Life by Sade. Listen to that album today. If, if you if you put that album on today, it sounds as good as the day it was recorded. It sounds, oh, if, if it was released today, it, it's up there with the greatest sounds of all yep. time. Yeah. Robin Miller produced that album, and we wanted Robin. We actually asked Robin Miller to um, to produce us uh, the Wedding Rome album, but he was not available. So we we uh, we asked Ben Rogan, who was Robin's engineer on Diamond Life. To produce yep. our album, so Ben Rogan went on to produce the album. Um, so while I'm at the power plant and we're having dinner one night, jo- uh, Andrew, being the lad about town and being the guy who used to do all the schmoozing for the band and, and going out with all the management teams and all the A and R people, uh, brought John Rotten, Johnny Rotten, and John McGee back to the studio. So. And I'm in awe, of course. I mean, the, the, the Sex Pistols are one of my... Sure. You, you know, they, they, growing up, nine, 1976, the Sex Pistols, in my mind, were the, the, the biggest thing to happen um, in ever yeah. music. You know, it was a great breakthrough at that point. And, right. uh, of course, John, John, and then I've got John, Johnny Rotten, the great Johnny Rotten, in my studio, on my in my studio time, That's with amazing. me in the restaurant at the hotel. Yeah. Sorry, at the, at, the, at the studio. 
and John McGeoch's with him. And of course, we do say our pleasantries, and they've been out and they've had a drink, and blah blah blah. So, and I give John McGeoch my number, and uh, he calls me in, in, a couple of weeks later and says he wants to put something together. So then I started to work. He, he lived in a place called Dronfield, which is just about north of Manchester. Huh. Studio over there, so I started to work with John on on this project Pacific. Um, okay, I'll send you. Some, I, in fact, I'll send you some tracks. Um, I just yeah, recently I'd love did, that. Uh, weirdly enough, I've just been back to Manchester just now, and I found loads of um, the way we used to copyright things in the past was we'd put a cassette tape of the recordings into an envelope with the lyrics and who wrote them into an envelope, stamp them, put them, and post them back to ourselves. So you've got a oh, sure. dated stamp yep. sealed yep. envelope uh, that says you've written this song on that day so I found all of my stuff that I'd sent back to me all of, all of my uh, copyright music so yep. I found stuff that I'd forgotten about uh, the projects uh, unnamed projects and everything else and I found all of the Pacific stuff Looking for some terror from a heart pumping out loud. Many smiles together. Cross the room, cross the bed, cross the wall and beyond. Never thinking what's the point, knowing that we belong. myself a little cassette player just a player just a little Walkman type thing uh-huh. and uh, and I've got a, a, a mini jack to mini jack straight into the input of my iMac and and, and recorded them into Logic Studio and huh. so I've uh, I mastered them all yesterday and uh, I'll, I'll oh, send wow. you some it, 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 it yeah, surprised please. me because of course when you've not listened to stuff for, for such a long time and then you realise how great a guitarist uh, sure. John uh, John McGeoch uh, was uh, and is I mean, I mean he's rated as one of the top 100 guitarists of all time and I had the pleasure yeah. of working with him and uh, uh, you great. know I remember being in the studio and without wanting to sound cocky about this he, he said to me he said you're one of the greatest vocalists that I've worked with and, and then I thought really wait a minute nice. uh, wait a minute he's worked with John Lydon he's worked <sighs> with um, Susie Sue Susie yeah. she's uh, many many and, and Howard DeVoto from Magazine sure uh, Buzz um, so it's a, you know, it was sort of a massive honor to work with John. Yeah. I was listening to the tunes yesterday. His guitar work was just unbelievable. There's a great little point where I, I got this because a lot of my stuff, because I'm not the greatest musician in the world, a lot of my stuff comes. Uh, in fact, Elvis don't ask me about music because I'm not in that kind of business. Uh-huh. Um, because uh, a vocalist, more. But, forefront he was a vocalist and, and that's how yeah. I see myself I'm a vocalist I can yeah. play bass I can play drums drums were my first instrument I played oh, really? bass in a band yeah yeah I played okay. bass with When in Rome on the Brazil tour oh, nice. um, but okay. but you know I'm a bit of a jack of all trades master of none you know I like to dabble yeah. with all yeah. sorts of stuff I like the technology and everything else um, yeah. Interesting. so I just like to um, 
you, you know, and, and it's, uh, I have this, I, all my ideas come in my head. And, uh-huh. and, and the only way that I can and can put these and promise was exactly the same. I, I, I got up with this one morning, I had a little Walkman at the side of me, recording Walkman, press recorder, went, and did all the humming of the melodies and everything else, uh, and, and the, the first verse melody in the chorus. Um, and, and that's pretty much the way that I've worked all my life. And nowadays really? it's a lot easier. Of course, you've got your phone by your side, you've got a little recorded app in there, and, yeah. and you can do it very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I, I got this idea one time when I was with John, and it was, a, it was like a guitar line, and it was a bit like Shine On You Crazy Diamond. By, I was never a massive Pink Floyd fan, but Shine On You Crazy Diamond had this massive guitar uh-huh. in it. Kind of got an idea around that that area of the guitar sound. Like, John, I've got this idea. I don't think. Just play this, and I went da 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 da. It was this melody that haunted him. He says, "Where did he started to play it?" And thought, "Wow!" Because he made it yeah. sound, of course. But because when he played it and he, and he put his touch to it, it was just. I mean, that was exactly the same as it was with uh, when I wrote Independence with John uh, Brooks. He's a fantastic, brilliant, brilliantly uh, trained uh, classical pianist. And, right. and, you know, if I, I come up with any kind of a basic melody, he would, uh, he would blow me away every time and go, how could you make that? What have that little right. melody thing that I've just hummed to? You make it sound like that. And he put the little extra notes in and everything else. And uh, it's uh, just fascinating to watch re- really brilliant musicians putting your ideas into, yeah, uh, into fruition, as it were. Yeah. Who knew when you wrote "When in Rome" back in the day, it would basically it would basically be your calling card for the rest of your life, really? Oh, absolutely! How do you, yeah, yeah, how do you feel about that? Is that kind of a is that a bittersweet thing? I know some people probably maybe get sick of it, or they wish that other things they've done had been uh, discovered as well. Are you comfortable with? The promise yeah, I'm, I'm so yeah. I I I, I, I saw an interview once with our ex keyboard player who said that the promise was a monkey on his back, and I thought I kind of kind of I was kind of physically sick a little. Yeah, it, it, it was really quite. I've never heard anybody that's had a hit record say that it's on a monkey on the back because right. you know what? Even if I if in, even if I die tomorrow, <laughs> it, yeah. It, the, 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 the promise was such a big hit, and it's uh, you know even even a small hit for any band is is, is great. You know, and it, you know, of course you want to get right and another one or, or or you know be successful with your other songs. But you know what? That's not the way it was. That's a, yeah. the way it was that people took the promise to the hearts. And I, I was explaining one of the reasons why I think it was successful is because it was written and in the third person. It's not written about anybody specifically. It's yeah. written for everybody, you know. Right. You know, I didn't wake up one morning and think, "Oh, you know, my, my girlfriend. I've got, I'm going to write a song about my girlfriend or an ex-girlfriend right. or whatever." Uh, and I think it's because it speaks to a lot of people. It kind of, you know, it's like if you need a friend, don't look to a stranger. You know, it's and it's uh, it kind of breaks the ice with what it, you know. Sure. Somebody buys that record for somebody, it breaks the ice yeah. with what they, you know, what they can't say is there on the record. Exactly. You know? and, and, and 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 you know, I would live. I don't regret anything. I would live my life, my recording life, over again, 
Uh, I, I would never wish, you know, you know of course, we, 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 when we went in to do the demos for the second album, we were kind of chasing the promise a little bit. And then after that, when we lost the record deal, um, I, I just thought, you know, why, why chase that? And then, right. uh, you know, as long as I'm happy in my own, in, 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 with my own work, with the work that I've done since the promise, um, I mean, if you listen to Independence, uh, uh, did I send you a download of Independence? Yeah. So, so, uh, no, you, well, I was listening to it on Spotify. It's great. Yeah. 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 I, I can send you a download. I'll send you a free download of that. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. And, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, for me, those songs are, um, you know, they're up there with the best, the best song, the best songs sure. that we've ever done. And I think that if we just kept the record, I think our own fault, we lost the record deal through our own fault, through not counting mm-hmm. on the work and not doing it, you know, not doing things quite correctly. Um, yeah. And I think if the record company had have decided to actually do something wide, wide sea, uh, sight of your yeah. tears, heaven knows. I think, I mean, in fact, I would say that heaven knows the video, that, that, that there's a, a kind of a, a super rare video that's just been released about six months ago on the, on uh, YouTube. No, it, it, it was um, recorded the video in Miami, and it's just a fun video from start to finish, including me da- doing a daft dance on it. So, it's, oh, uh, I'm it's on it of, now, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and <laughs> of course, when I show that to my daughter, she's very, very, um, very embarrassed. But uh, yeah. you know, it was great, great times. It was, um, and, and I think that when you when you ask about whether the promise was, uh, you know, whether we, we were, you know, happy about that only that song. Uh, you know, right. I'm very, very happy that that song was a hit, Good. And, Good. And, and I know that we've uh, got some great stuff. And the stuff that I did with John Bagheer was fantastic. If a, re- if a record label at that time had got a hold of it and decided to go with it, uh, that definitely would have been uh, because it, because it was kind of an '80s supergroup. If you look at John McGeoch from Public Image, and then you John McKee, John Keeble on drums from Spandau Ballet. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so, so it's it's kind of definitely. Uh, Okay. He was one that got away. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So I yeah. was curious about something. Everything I read about the creation of the album when in Rome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious how this works. It implied that so you guys had the, the promise came out first, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you got a did you get a record deal on the back of the success of the promise single? Just on and the then just on the promise. An album. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so the when you. I'm curious, when you set, did you set out, did you already have the songs that made up the album 
when you got the deal, or did you sort of have to come up with those after the fact because now you had a record deal? Some of it, a bit of half and half there because uh, we don't okay. have an. In fact, I was listening to some demos on cassette the other day, and have, I've got, I, I was listening to a version of Heaven Knows that is nothing like the finished version. It's just huh. a demo version. Of course, what we did then was play it to the producer, and he said, "Well, why don't we make it this way? Why don't we do it this way?" Blah blah blah. So it all changed in that respect. Uh, but this is where it gets really beautiful, as the way the way it was very organic with When in Rome because and. Our ex-keyboard player and myself were in a band. I asked him to join my band, Bow Ledger. I was in a band called Bow Ledger before when in Rome. Yeah, I want to I, talk um, to you about that, by the way. Yeah, well, well, my mum and dad went to see a band in a place called Northwich, which is about 20 miles south of Manchester. Mm-hmm. And they came back infusing about this keyboard player and a singer. And I just broke... When Bow Ledger had just um, kind of imploded and... Um, Okay. Uh, and I decided to bring in a new singer and keyboard player. It just so happened my mum and dad had been out to this place and said they were, and they got the contact numbers for these fellas. And so I contacted them. Uh, so they joined Bow Leisure. So my keyboard player came with me into Bow Leisure. And so we, for whatever reasons, that ended organically. Um, and we then decided to form a group together that wasn't Bow Leisure. It wasn't called When in Rome at this time. We decided to start writing together. And then I, I, we were hanging, or I was hanging around in this place called Hort's Wine Bar in Manchester, which was a very, very trendy wine bar in the heart of Manchester. Okay. And, uh, and oh, I've got, we'll rewind a little bit because Andrew Mann used to uh, perform with Bow Leisure. He used to do uh, poetry. Uh, oh, do, you know, okay. do you know a gentleman by the name of John Cooper Clark? Sure, yeah. I fell in love with an alien being whose skin was jelly, whose teeth were green. She had the big bug eyes and the death ray glare. Feet like water wings, purple air. I was over the moon. I asked her back to my place and then I married the monster from outer space. days were numbered, the nights were spent in a rent-free furnished oxygen tent where the cyborg chef served up moonbeams, done super rapid on a laser beam. I needed nutrition to keep up the pace when I married the monster from outer space. Well, he's the, the bunk poet. Well, yeah. Andrew, would, uh, Andrew was that kind of poet. Yeah, he used to support oh, the yeah, and, and he'd asked me to do some backing tracks for his tunes because that's how John uh, John Cooper Clark used to do. He used to have backing tracks. Right. And he used to sing poems and uh, recite poems over the backing tracks. Okay. And so Andrew did pretty much the same thing, and I started working with him, and he supported Bow Leisure. So when Bow Leisure imploded, we still knocked around together, and we still drank together in this place called Hort's Wine Bar. Uh, and then we asked Andrew to join us as a writing part, as a lyricist, because mm-hmm. I was not great. I was not very. That was not my strong point uh, oh. at that time. Lyrics. So I, I, I decided, we, we decided to bring Andrew on board as this three okay. piece. Uh, this was before Wedding Rome, and uh, and the very we were very very lucky because Andrew, being this man about town, Jack around town, the guy that was that, that all the girls liked and that all the guys liked, and and. Uh, so he was at the same time going to live in London. Uh, and we'd already got the demo for The Promise, which is the first, we'd got the opening piano line, we'd got the first verse uh, and the chorus. I'd written the first verse and the chorus and sang it on a little cassette 
MO. Okay, okay. And Andrew took that down with him to London. And then he started hanging about at this place called Groucho's in London, which is where all the A&R guys hang out. So he was, you know, having, uh, you know, going out drinking with the guy, with the A&R guys from all the big record companies in in, uh, in London, and then getting a lift home at the end of the night in the car. And at the day, they had the cassette player in the car, and he'd say, "Do you mind this to this?" And of course, he was he was generating interest from, um, from all the record companies. And there was a there was a few. Chrysalis were after us, Electra were after us, Virgin were after us, EMI were after us, um, uh, and we decided uh, that Simon Potts from Electra was a good friend, became a good friend of Andrew's while he was down in London. He'd heard the promise uh, and decided to sign us. Okay. Uh, so we signed to Electra, which is fantastic because um, Andrew Mann's favourite band is The Doors and so oh, it, wow. it, so, so we signed to The Doors label Electra yeah, it's all fantastic yeah, absolutely uh, and so whatever, and, and Simply Red was signed at the same time but they'd already recorded their album we'd only got the demo um, so for whatever reason Electra decided to close their offices in London and revert back to the US so it became very, very difficult. I don't know whether I've been back to Manchester and it is. I've approved it again. It's very difficult dealing with that eight-hour time difference. Sure. Everybody's in bed when you're not, you know, yeah. you know, and then vice versa. And, and so it was very difficult for us to deal with Electra Records, so we decided to get out of that. And we did another showcase for Virgin Records at, at Simon Nagia Bell's place. Duran Duran's manager had a place called No Miss. Mm-hmm. In London, we did a showcase there for Virgin again, um, and they bought us out of the deal. Luckily, they bought us out of the deal with Electra and signed us. Um, so it was all on to really Andrew Mann having that demo and going out and doing it. And you know, yeah. if, if any band is listening to this um, this interview, that is the way to do it. You've got to be active. You've got to, you can't yeah. just send demos. You can't just go and and think, oh well, you know what. Because you've got that link, you know, what does this guy look like? What does he look like? What does he sound? You know, there's always some kind of missing link if you're not being, even to this day, you've got to be personal. You can't, that, this internet thing where swapping MP3s and stuff like that, you can have the greatest piece of music in the world and be the best looking band in the world. But if you've not got the personality and the drive and, and the wherewithal to be um, a, a, a musician and uh, a, a respected artist, you know, you're never going to do anything. Yeah. You, you, you know, you've got to be out there and you've got to be friends with the people and you've got to show people that you're, you're into it for uh, the right reasons and not specifically into it to yeah. millions and millions of pounds. you got to hustle, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, That's absolutely it. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and those that are at the, front, at, the, at the front of the queue are the ones that are going to, uh, yeah. that are going to do it. I remember yeah. back in the day, they used to say there was a book Somebody showed me a book about how to get a record deal, and the, the opening line was "miser, miser, miser." In other words, pester, pester, pester. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody says no, don't take that no for an answer. Keep going, keep going, yeah. keep knocking at the door, because if you believe in what you're doing, it, you know somebody is going to believe in it as well. That's in, in, yeah. in a position to be able to help you with your career. So it's, uh, yeah. it, it is it, it, it is accessible to everybody. And I, one thing that I really don't like about this business is that I've heard so many musicians and artists being very disgruntled and downhearted and negative about the business uh, because they don't really understand how 
how it works or, or right. you know, uh, you know, it's a, it, if you if you understand how it works and go with it and, and be, a, as Quentin Chris would say, be, be an existentialist, swim mm. with the tide, but faster. Sure. You know, yeah. you, you know, you don't you don't have to do like everybody else does, but you know, acknowledge the fact that a record company is there to help you if you're there right. to help yourself, and you, you right. know, you're, you're not automatically um, given the right to have a record deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. true. Um, yeah. So tell me, I wanted to hear um, before we before we go, I want to know a little bit more about Bow Leisure, um, yeah. because I mean, there are some I, I love Swing Out Sister and. Yeah. Uh, those guys were in this band, right? And I think some other people that went on to do other things were in this band, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, well, Dave Powell was the was, was the front man, the original front man of, of Bow Leisure. I'm still a great friend of his, and I carried on with another version of Bow Leisure. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and and he um, he's still in the business back in Manchester and still a fabulous songwriter. Never really quite hit the big. Time. I weirdly enough, I do a song now with my my. The Clive Farrington solo tour. I do a song called American Beat, which is written by Dave Powell and was a Bow Leisure staple back in the day. First, Corinne was really part of the beginnings of When in Rome because he was a fr- she was a friend of Andrew's okay. down in London. As soon as he got down to London, he was because they were because they were from up our end. Or okay. no, Corinne's actually from down there. But the lads that were in the band, the two lads, I think there were. I think Andrew oh, Andrew Connell is it? I think she's married yep. to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, he he was actually from up north and she was from down south. But Andrew had met them through okay. um, mutual friends and stuff. Uh, and uh, she helped out on demos at the beginning of When in Rome. Oh, it was wow. kind of not. It was not really the way. It was when we kind of cut ties with Bell Leisure and decided okay. to, 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 okay. to get together with a new project. Uh, and um, Corinne helps us out on a few things. We did a, a version of Ghost in My House with Corinne oh. on backing vocals. Well, I wish you had the cassette of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. Too. She was just very, very helpful. She, I mean, she wasn't completely involved and she wasn't actually a member of the band. She just was very, very helpful in because, of course, she got that record that was going off big time in Europe and the US yeah. Um, yeah. breakout. And, yeah. and she was very, very helpful in, in, in um, just helping us out with melodies on songs and, and oh, okay. uh, guiding us in the right direction. Yeah. And we were actually managed, managed at that time by... Um, Alan Mark, who was also a friend of Corinne's, and 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 then went on to do Shooting Stars, and it just won a BAFTA for um, okay. Shooting Stars yeah. in, in in the UK. I wondered then, if this Bow Leisure group was like a you know like the farm team. If that if it was this little local thing, but then everyone sort of went on to bigger and better things. But 
Bo Legger yeah. was sort of ground zero, but it sounds yeah, like absolutely. there were different yeah. formations of it, different generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah okay. So it was kind of our little. Uh, it, it was our nursery, as it were. It was the yeah. the, the nursery yeah. band, you know, where we all t- t- trained to. To uh, it's where we had the stabilizers yeah. on the bike, you know, and, yeah, and, and learning how to how to ride. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great great time. And uh, yeah, uh, good. Uh, yeah. Well, so lastly, I want to hear about your solo album. Um, Independent. That's your yeah. first solo album, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's been the response to that? It's it's very lukewarm. Of course, it's very it's like the response to the tour. Really, you know, when you're trying to do something different from when when yeah. thing, of course, that you know. Clive Harrington is nowhere near as big as the name went in Rome, but it's like starting from scratch, as it were, and it's the same right. thing with with the album Independence. You know, and it's, somebody asked me about this the other week, and I said, you know, many bands from the 80s have, have, have recorded albums over the past mm-hmm. year or so, and they're fantastic. They're great albums. I've heard some of them. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you've not got universal music... Yeah. Behind you, if you've not got the big guys, BMG, Universal, uh, you know all the all the big record companies, and if you've not got that clout behind yeah. you, it doesn't matter how great your album is, how brilliant your ideas are, you're not going to go anywhere because you're in that queue, you're in the Bieber queue, you're in the Justin Bieber where they're spending twenty million on on uh, right. on on uh, marketing and everything else. So yeah. you're and that, you know, with a, with a, an album like Independence, the budget for market to market that. I mean, this is where it gets really very, very. Um, this is where I, you know, I agree with it, and I kind of swim with it, and I kind of uh, I, I, I'm I'm all right with it. But it is a bit of a bone of contention as far as uh, most bands are concerned. If you've not got a big record deal, it doesn't matter how great your songs yeah. are. You're never going to do anything because you, you're in the queue. You're in the, that yeah. uh, top ten queue. You're in the Lady Gaga and the uh, right. uh, the right. um, Justin Bieber queue and and, yeah. and and the Katy Perry queue, where you know they're, they're they're having you know half of their total budget is spent on marketing them and putting mass yeah. pictures of them on Sunset Boulevard and everything else. Right. I'm sure right. that if my picture was a you know if there was a big picture of Independence album cover on Sunset Boulevard, and he said the most fantastic album of the year ever, I'm sure yeah. it would sell a few more copies. Sure. Um, and, and, and that is the missing link. Yeah. So, uh, as far as the, the, the people that, the, my, you know, the, my closest fans, the people that have been with me from day one and, and that are still into the music and, still, and into the Clive Farrington solo stuff, but, you know, they say, wow, fantastic album. Yeah. But unless you've got a record company saying fantastic album, you've not got a lot of chance. It's a shame, too, because, I mean, people like me are, we remain throughout our lives very loyal to not just the bands we grew up on, but even the even the decade, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. the 80s were my formative years. I like music from all over the place. But yeah. if a band that I was tight with or that I was paying attention to in the 80s releases something now i want to know yeah. about it and i'm i'm someone who will still buy music you know yes absolutely you, you know, Where, yeah. so it's like you're missing a huge bit of potential there i think you know a yeah. band like like swing out sister or yeah. abc or the human league yeah. or whatever these yeah. bands who have they have loyal yeah. followers maybe they're not they're not justin bieber but they're yeah. older, they have disposable income, and they would yeah. purchase those albums if they could find yeah. them and knew oh, they were any good. 
Do you know what absolutely, I mean? Absolutely, but yeah, absolutely. But you know what? You've got the uh, it's like fashion houses now. You've got it's so weird because fashion houses are run by qu- quite um, mature people, you know, uh-huh. older people. But the people that they've got working from them at ground level on the on the, on the, uh, the the front, if you like, uh, um, are, are very very young. They've got these very very young up and coming uh, fashion designers working for them at ground level, and and. It, they're selling to a young market, and these people that own the companies, Yves Saint Laurent, for instance. I mean, how old must he be at the moment? But but right. he he has very very young and and trendy people working for him for him right at the front of uh, on ground level, and those people are not interested in the old. It's the same in the record industry. The people that are working in the record industry now are, are looking at you know you. I can bet you as much as you like that every record company in the world, when it has its meetings on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. they have the, the A&R meetings on Tuesdays, they're banging on the table saying, we need a next Justin Bieber, yeah. one that's not going to be flying off the handle and not no. going to be this. We want, you know, they, they, of course they are. They're, it's all pure yeah. money. It's more money-related. That's, 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 that's narrow, that's short-sighted. They, there should be different lines of business and you have yeah, maybe the majority of your team is focused on the latest stuff but then you have yeah. another line of business for uh legacy acts you have another line yeah. of business for 80s nostalgia acts you have another line of yeah. business for remastering reissued or you know yeah. deluxe editions or whatever you just you put your best thinkers on the in this case the 80s legacy line of business and they well, figure out how to market the new Clive Ferryton album to the yeah. millions of people who not just not only care about when in Rome, but just love yeah. the sound of eighties music yeah. and want to hear what someone they love from back in the day is doing with yeah. it now. Seems like yeah, a no brainer to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I mean, if you take it in respect of the agents now, now the eighties agents, all they want you to do is go on stage and do your hit records. No deviations. Yeah. They have to do exactly the same as the right. original track because you know, the people that are coming to see you grew up on that record if you do any deviation, they think, "Oh, wait a minute, that's not the same yeah. as when I, you know, when we were dancing to it at the end of the prom." Uh, it's, 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 but, but you know, I, I kind of, at the same time as being not really agreeing with it, I can kind of understand it as well, yeah. you know, because it, you know, if, if you're in a business and you're in a corporate business, yeah. you don't want to be laying money into something that's not going to be creating right. loads and loads. Right. Because of course, these corporate companies, all, whether we agree with it or not, right. it's just like Coca-Cola. You know, yeah. how do you, how does Coca Cola sell its drink? How, in fact, I was talking to about this to somebody the other day. Why Coca Cola still advertise every every mm-hmm. second in the I world? I saw you post that on Facebook. Yeah, and yeah I hadn't well, thought of true. that, but you're right. It's true. It's, it's true. They're, they're yeah. the biggest drink brand. That Coca Cola is the biggest drink on the planet. Yeah, but they still have to advertise it. That's and that's your answer to why. And that's really the answer to why. Bands that are releasing from the eighties, bands, new bands that are from the eighties are releasing records now. Yeah. If they're not advertising on major mainstream on TV and radio yeah. every five minutes, you, well, you, you really not you know you can't do anything. I mean, it's like me, you like me trying to bringing out a new fizzy drink and trying to work work against Coca Cola. I've got no chance. Because yeah. Yeah. I, I can't afford I can't afford to put it on TV on yeah. on every advert, every other advert. Yeah. Same with music. It's well, exactly the same. Yeah. Well, it's too yeah. bad. I think there's a market out there, and that's that's kind well, of... Well, it's true. 
the reason I, I want to do this is to sort of shed some light on what bands you may have may not realize is still out there are doing. Yeah. You know, well, they're and all what out their lives are like. They need us to support them. You know, that's what we need to support you. Yeah, well, yeah. they're all out there, and they're all still as good as before. And when I think now, yeah. when people say that my voice is matured and it's it, it's better than playing an acoustic set at uh, St. Rock in Hamosa a couple of weeks, it was over from Spain and a brother-in-law, and, and they've obviously grown up with me singing and stuff, and, and they yeah. thought that my, my voice had, um, had, had, had kind of matured and got better through the years. So I think that's the same with most of the 80s artists. You know, they've if they've stuck with it and... and uh, and, and uh, still not necessarily practicing, but still interested in doing it and, and yeah. wanting to go on stage again. I think, um, you, you know, they, they've not lost anything. You know, they've all, you know, over the past two years, Berlin have released an album. Um, Flock of Seagulls have released an album. I bet you don't know anything about them because nobody's ever told you anything. Right. Well, you have to really yeah. stay on top of all that stuff to know, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. uh, and, and the reason why you've not heard of them is because of that marketing thing. It's that uh, yeah. the, the missing link is the marketing thing. And until yeah. we get somebody, some billionaire that comes forward and says, listen, mm-hmm. I'm going to concentrate on 80s music. I mean, the yeah. answer is that when I was back in Manchester, you could get an 80s compilation, which had every, you name it, it had about, there was four CDs and there must have been a hundred tunes sure. on it. Um, and they were all the best of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it was seven pounds, which is about $10 yeah. now. Right. You know, ten. You, you get yeah. in, uh, the the catalogue of the original tunes that have all been yeah. licensed properly because that's the only way that they can sell them in the shop. They've, yeah. all, they've all been licensed properly because that's the way the record companies make their money is that licensing thing. Yeah. So they've got these these big albums that are that are selling for very 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 little money, and yeah. people are getting the whole catalogue, so they don't really need to listen to you know because they're always you know I mean, I, I yeah. know. The, the independence, or every tune on independence, people think, oh, is it the same as a promise? But you, de- you know, for me, and people have said this, there is the mel- melodic um, sensibility there in, in independence in each of the songs that, that can't, you can tell it's, uh, it's written by one of the guys from When in Rome. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a great album, and it's sad, uh, you know, hopefully there's got to be a way i just think yeah i just think if you appreciate that kind of music you want to know what those people are doing now yeah i mean there's a song on it called showdown which if it, if it had been uh released after the promise it probably would have been a hit
building with the record label. Right. And, and Gap Mexico, Gap Fashion in Mexico, chose it for their compilation album last year. Oh, nice. So that was kind of a, so that was a kind of, a kind of a stepping stone. But again, good. if you've not... And, and Richard Blade loves it, you know what I mean? And yeah, he's good. Yeah. But, you know, but, but they're, they're still restricted on what they can play. They're, they're, they're you know, the, the producers of the shows and stuff don't really, you know, it's not like it used to be. For instance, the reason yeah. why we got the record deal, how we got the record deal was our ex-keyboard player's cousin went to live in San Francisco, went to Live 105 with a 12-inch record of The Promise and said, this is a British band, will you play it, please? He just walked into the station, walked past reception, went to their biggest <laughs> DJ, gave it to him, and uh, and from there it went on wildfire. Now, yeah. you try doing that today to uh, any no, radio station. Never. You've got yeah, no never. chance. You've got the security guy to go through first who won't let you in. He'll break your record first before you can get past the, the gate. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you've got reception to go past. No, absolutely. You, cannot, you can't do it anymore. There you have it, Clive Farrington. That guy works hard, right? And I gotta put in a plug for his new album. If you're somebody who likes 80s synth pop, and let's face it, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you are interested in When in Rome and their sound, why not check out what he's doing now? His album's solid, especially if you like 80s music. So, um, big thanks to Clive Farrington for talking to me. Huge thanks to Aaron Syrat for producing this podcast, as always. He's the Bernie Taupin to my Elton John, or... Maybe I'm the Bernie or something. Whatever it is, we couldn't do it without him, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, Next week, we have one more 80s one-hit wonder coming up, for now anyway. There will be plenty others down the line. And then we're going to Canada, and we're talking hard rock and heavy metal with thrash legends Anvil and uh, a solid 80s hard rock band called Toronto. That's coming up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Send me a message if you want at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. scared cause I couldn't see constantly falling and out for the count brutal and painful what time's your awakening just look at the stage you're in you're broken in pieces Climbing, climbing, 
love song. 